Good morning, church, and welcome to Next Community Church. Um, my name's Joe, one of the pastors here, and uh, if this is your first time with us, if you're a newer or a guest, we just want to say welcome. We are honored that you're here, and we pray that you feel welcomed, and uh, more than anything, we pray that you know how much God loves you and that you would experience his love today. Um, we are in week three of a series called The Lost, and um, we're talking about one of the most challenging parts of being a Christian, of being a true Christian, somebody that is truly desiring to follow after Jesus and, and, and live out what it means to truly be a Christian. And, and, and that is um, the call to share your faith, right? The, the, uh, the priority of evangelizing. And it's, it, the mention of it, it, it brings fear and anxiety and trepidation and nervousness and be feeling ashamed to many of us so much to the degree that we just, we just kind of tap out and say, I'm just not going to do it. It's just not for me. It's a part of the Christian life that's just not a part that I'm going to partake in, right? For, for, for others, evangelism is that thing that makes you feel awkward because you know you're making everybody else feel awkward and you're just not into handing out little tracts of paper to people telling them they're going to hell. And it's like, and you just, you just want nothing to do with it. And so what we've seen though, the last two weeks is, and, and if you haven't been here the last two weeks, um, my, my encouragement would be, if you would, is to go back because that's really where we talked about the heart behind why we're doing what we're doing, the heart behind really caring about people and caring about who Jesus called lost, those that are kind of spiritually lost. We talked about the first thing was it's part of who we are as followers of Jesus. And, and um, when you say yes to follow Jesus Christ, Jesus says that you're born into a, a new kingdom. You're born again is the term that Jesus used. And that gives you a new identity, and with that identity comes a new mission and a new calling and, and, and new responsibilities. And we, we talked the first week about living out those responsibilities of being an ambassador. That's one of the terms the Bible uses to describe us. Um, another term is that we're sent ones, ones sent on a mission. We're messengers. Uh, the Bible calls us priests, even. Be, a priest is someone who takes the people and brings them to God and uh, uh, represents God to people. The Bible says that if you're a follower of Jesus, that's, that's who you are. The, another term the Bible uses is that we're called to be light into the darkness in the world. And so we have all these names that give us the responsibility of living this out. It was the first thing. And then last week we talked about, despite all of our best excuses and reasons we don't want to do this, and there's a lot of them, right? We don't know what to say. I feel like they're going to ask me Bible questions I don't know the answer to. I'm kind of embarrassed. I don't want to make them feel awkward. Um, whatever your reason is, I suggested to you that last week, and I put me in it, it's not you, it's we, that we have a heart issue. It's really an issue of the heart. And that when it comes down to it, for many of us, it's that we really have a love problem. And, um, and I felt like I could say that because the Bible says that's what's going to happen, right? We looked at Jesus' words in Matthew 24 where Jesus said, in the last days, lawlessness will increase and because of that, the love of many will grow cold. And I feel like we're seeing that happen where it's really easy 
to see the love of the church kind of grow cold towards the wicked of the world. And so um, we got a heart issue. As a matter of fact, I read this week um, a quote from uh, Charles Spurgeon, brilliant pastor, author. Spurgeon said this. He said, the winners of souls must first be weepers for souls, right? Just that reminder that this ultimately is a heart issue for us. And so for many of us, this whole thing of evangelism and sharing your faith, like in week one when I announced we're going to do a six-part series on this, you're like already looking at you're like, are we done yet? Is it week six yet? Like, can we be done with this and move on? It's one of the least favorite things that we want to talk about. It's a toss-up in the church between which spiritual muscle we use the least, the sharing our faith or prayer, right? And these two things become kind of the things that like we know we should do, but really we, we don't want to do. But what if we're making it way more difficult than it needs to be? And, and, and what if we're making it way more awkward than it, we should be? And, and so today I want to talk with you about an approach to living this out that is way more natural, way more practical, way more effective, way less threatening, way less awkward, and most importantly, biblical. Because everything we do, we're going to anchor in the Word of God. And so it's an approach that we're calling the bless approach. And it's, it's, it's not brand new. It's, it's been around for years. Bless, uh, we'll talk about in just a second. It's, it's an acronym where it's going to stand for something. And um, it, it's, it's something that's been around for years. This, I picked up this book. This is a great book if you're looking for, um, we're, it, I'm leaning on this book this morning for our time together. It's called Bless, Five Everyday Ways to Love Your Neighbor and Change the World. And, and so... Um, here's what we're going to do with our time. I'm going to give you a high-level view of what, when I say bless, what we mean by this acronym bless. And then, more importantly, I'm going, to, I'm going to share with you the why behind it. And my hypothesis this morning is this is actually God's strategy to reach the world. And I'm going to share that with you and from Scripture as to why I think that is what God is calling us to do. And then we're going to come back to the acronym and talk more specifically about each one of these five steps. And, and really, here's where we're going, is the call to every 800 people that call Next Community Church home, that we would, by faith, step into this and seek to be a blessing to others because... This is God's plan for us to reach the world. And so let's, let, let, me, let me step back. Let me give you a high-level view of what the acronym BLESS means, okay? Each letter stands for something, and I'm just going to give you a quick summary. We're going to spend more time at the end specifically with this, but I want you to have in mind what I mean when I say this. B, begin with prayer. It starts with prayer. The most important part is that we bring our heart before God. This is not us trying to get people or project people. This is us having our heart brought before God in prayer. L stands for learning to listen. Man, this is a lost art today. People don't want to listen. Everyone's got something to say. Nobody's listening to one another. And so what would it look like for us to grow as listeners? The third part, it's my first, most favorite part, is eating. And, and But what would it look like for us to eat with intentionality? What would it look like for us to eat with, with a gospel in mind. We'll talk about that. Then the next uh, letter is S, serve. You know, as you begin to pray and you begin to listen and you begin to connect with people over meals, you know what you're going to find? People have needs. 
People have needs. And, and part of being a follower of God is being a servant of God and serving people's needs. And then the last S is story. Learning to share your story of how God is real to you. And, and here's the best part about learning to share your story. Whether you think your story is crazy or powerful or not, your story is powerful. It's real to you and people want to see realness. People want to see authenticity. Does God really make a difference in your life? Or is this just some religious beliefs that you have? You got your religious beliefs and I got my religious beliefs. No. And where you begin to open up and begin to learn how to share your story. So that's, that's the acronym of, of BLESS. And, and, and what God, I believe, has called us to is to be blessers. Now, let me share with you the why behind us. This is the what. We'll talk more specifically about the what in a little bit. I want to spend the next 10, 15 minutes and talk to you about why. Why I believe that this very much is God's heart. Here's my, here's my working theory, and I'm going to try to prove it to you from Scripture so that you can be convinced. That's this. Blessing is God's plan to reach the world with his love. This might sound a little outside the box. And, and listen, don't, don't worry. We're not, we're not becoming one of those health and wealth prosperity churches where God always wants you healthy, wealthy, and wise, right? And so, because you just look around and be like, that's a long shot for many of us. And so that's not, that's not what scriptures talk about. It's not what we mean when we say blessing, okay? We're going to talk about what we mean by blessing. But here's, the, here's what I believe scripture teaches, is that blessing is God's pathway, God's game plan, God's strategy for how we're going to reach the world with his love. Um, It's easy to think that the mission of God began kind of in the New Testament with Jesus, right? I mean, God sent Jesus to us, and in the New Testament, Jesus came to fulfill the mission to go to the cross, to die on the cross. He rose again from the grave, or maybe you think the mission of God kind of began, you turn the pages after the Gospels, and it's like Jesus ascends into heaven, and then Jesus sends out the apostles, and that's the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, the starting of the church, and maybe you're like, no, that's where the mission really happened when the the gospel started to spread around the world as it was known at that time, but I want to suggest to you that the mission of God started long before the New Testament. I believe that it started way back in the book of Genesis, and I want to share that with you, and I want you to see how even way back in the beginning, God's plan for reaching the world with his love was through the strategy or the approach of blessing. So Genesis 12 is where I want to look at. In Genesis chapter 12, God is dealing with a man named Abram, who would later change his name to Abraham. And, uh, and God is kind of, he's already pushed the do-over button. He created everything perfect. Man screwed it up. God pushed redo. And here we are in Genesis 12. And God's like, here's how I'm going to be reaching the world. I'm going to start with a person that we're going to grow into a large people group. And that group is always going to seek to be a blessing to the world. Genesis 12 verse 1 says, The Lord said to Abram, Go. I want you to, let's just stop right there. 
I want you to notice this. We've got to notice this. Is that the command of God almost always involves some kind of going, of getting out of your house, off the couch, across the street, across the cubicle. Go. We've got to bring the word of God to people. We've got to go. He says, go. And listen, go out from your land your relatives, and your father's house. Like, leave everything. This is going to be hard. This is going to be a challenge. It's going to require faith. You're going to have to learn to lean into me because this is going to be way outside your comfort zone. And you've got to decide if you're going to live by faith or you just want to sit back and play it safe. But you can't live both ways. They are opposites when it comes to following God. And so God is always going to push us towards faith. And this is what he's doing with Abraham. I want you to go. I want you to leave everything you know, your land, your relatives, your father's house, and you're going to go to the land I will show you. doesn't even tell him where he's going to go. I'm going to just show you. Just start going. I'll show you when you get there. And then he says this. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. It's the heart of our father. He's a blesser. Watch. I will make your name great, and you will be a... Okay, so Abraham, I want you to go. I want you to demonstrate faith in me. I want you to be outside your comfort zone. Don't worry, I'm going to go with you. And when you go and I go with you, don't worry, I'm going to bless you. My hand will be with you. My hand will be over you. But listen, as you go and you're experiencing my blessing, your blessing is to be then a blessing to others. Here's what he says. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. Listen, this is important for many of us. God goes, don't worry about the results. I'll handle, I'll handle the people and the way that they treat you. Those who bless you, I'm going to bless. Those who oppose you, I'm going to curse. Oh, this is so freeing, church, that you aren't responsible for the results. God raises his hand and says, yeah, I'll take care of that. Don't worry about the people and what they do. I'll take care of the results. You just be obedient to go and be a blessing. So those who bless you, I'm going to bless. God says, anyone who curses you, or God says, anyone who treats you with contempt, God says, I'm going to curse. Listen, and all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. Our God has always been a missional God. It's always been God's plan to reach people with people. And he's going to bless those people so that they can, in in a sense, you and I need to learn to start thinking of ourselves as blessing funnels. Is, is that's really what we are. That as we live in this world, we funnel the blessings of being a follower of God to others. The problem comes when the children of God turn into blessing hoarders. And instead of being a blessing funnel, we become blessing hoarders. And we kind of just like what we like and we get really comfortable walking in fellowship with God and we don't want to really engage in the mission of God and rather than kind of get out of the trenches and go out into the battle, we just like to stay back at base camp and just kind of enjoy it where it's nice and safe. And, and then the love of God and the hope of God and the joy of God and the love of God stays back here with us and never gets out to the world. Here's 
my next thing that if you're writing things down, I, I think you should write down and I want you to understand is, is that you and I are blessed so that we can be a blessing. We, we are called to be blessing funnels. And so we're blessed to be a blessing. I mean, stop and, and, and think about it. To experience the, the peace and the joy and the love of God, the mercy of God. You woke up this morning forgiven. You woke up this morning knowing that God doesn't see you through the lens of your sin. He sees you through the lens of your son. Where's your sins? As far as the east is from the west, he separated you from your sins. That brings incredible peace. It brings incredible joy. We have incredible hope to know that there's so much more beyond. We have incredible power. The God of the universe lives in us, right? I mean, there are so many spiritual blessings that come. There's hundreds of them that we could go on. And all of those blessings that we have, God has given so that we can then turn around and be like, listen, I need you to know about my God. I need you to, those blessings are designed to not just stop with us. It's kind of like when you know good news, you want to share good news. And whatever God has done to you and for you, he wants to do through you so that we might be blessers. Listen, let me just give you real quick a, a, a sampling. I, I, we, I need you to see this, that this is God's heart. I need you to walk out of here convinced our dad's a blesser. And it's part of being in the family of God that we're a family of blessers. Genesis chapter 1. I'm going way back to the very beginning. God, I'm going to read the verse where God made man and woman. And I want you to notice the very next thing he did after he made them. Do you know what it is? Genesis 1, 27 says, God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Very next verse, God blessed them. This is the first thing he did. Why? Because that's his heart. Our God is a blesser. Then you just turn the page. Genesis chapter 9 and it says this, God blessed Noah and his sons. Why? That's in our father's heart. Then we just read from Genesis 12 where God blessed Abram, right? Now here we are at Genesis 25 at the end of Abraham's life. It says Abraham's death, God blessed his son Isaac. I mean, and just page after page as you go through the Old Testament, you're going to see God is a blesser. That's who he is. You're like, all right, well, let's, what about the New Testament? I, I, I'm glad you asked. I got a verse for that too. Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with some of the spiritual blessings in heavens in Christ. No? I didn't read that wrong? I read it wrong? Oh, with every spiritual blessing. That is, this is unbelievable when you stop and comprehend. I don't think we can, our finite minds... Every single spiritual blessing that is Christ's, we get as being part of the adopted sons and daughters in the family of God. If you know about families in the ancient Near East, the sons, the oldest brother, would get a double portion of the blessing. Right? He would receive double, being the elder brother. In, in the scriptures, Jesus is painted as this the elder brother. He is the first fruits of the resurrection, the firstborn. He is our elder brother. 
And so what Ephesians 1 says is that every single spiritual blessing that God the Father has bestowed on his son, who is the king seated on the throne in heaven right now, is ours as well as adoptive sons and daughters. Everything that the elder brother gets, he's blessed us with as well. And so, so our father is a blesser. And so the next thing I need you to see is this. You have what you have because God blessed you to be a blessing. You have what you have. You can think physical for a second. You can think about the car that you drove here and then the house that you slept in and the food in your fridge and the clothes in your closet. And you can think of all of those things as, as physical blessings, and, and, and that's true. You have what you have, again, so that you can be a blessing. God's always wanting us to use our time, talent, and treasure to be a part of expanding his kingdom, but, but not even just the physical blessings, but we're talking about now the spiritual blessings of everything that we have because we're adoptive children of God. God has blessed us with so that we can be a blessing, which then leads me to the next question, which is, as, as I was praying this week and wrestling through this and was just going to have this point as going to be the point, you, you have what you have because you're supposed to be a blessing, but then God asked me this question, so then I ask you this question is, so what are you doing with what you have? That's the next obvious question, right? So what what are you doing with what you got? And are you living your life as a spiritual hoarder? Or are you living your life the way the father wants the kids to live? Just like he is. He's a blesser. I've blessed you so that you can be a blesser to others. And when if you if you um, get this, I think for many of us this is going to be so freeing. This is going to be so life-giving as a, as a new way to live. Because for many, you know if you're a follower of Jesus, this whole evangelism, sharing your faith is part of the package deal that you really don't want to do. And, and you just feel guilty and you feel ashamed and you feel embarrassed and you chicken out and, and all of these things because we feel like, well, like I, I, I'm going to have to get into conversations and I didn't go to seminary and I don't want to debate with people and I, I, can't, I don't want to convince somebody and I feel like I'm going to lose the argument. And we have all these things. And here's why. Why this is going to be so freeing for you is that it is not our job to convince or convict anyone. It's not. It's not my job. It's not your job to convince or convict anyone. You want to know why? That job is already taken. It's already taken. Somebody already has that job and they're really good at it. His name is the Holy Spirit, and he's like, I got that job. Joe, I don't need your help with that. I, I got that. You're like, where are you getting this from? The Bible. Let me read it to you, John 16. This is Jesus. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he says this, Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. So Jesus, wait a minute, wait a minute. How's it going to be better, Jesus, when you leave? Because Jesus says this, because if I don't go away, then the counselor will not come to you. The counselor is the nickname that Jesus gave to the Holy Spirit. Depending on what Bible translation you have, there's all different translations for this Greek word that is 
untranslatable into English. It's paraclete. It's one called alongside. Some translations translated as comforter, some as counselor, some as helper. It is the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I'm going to go and the Holy Spirit's going to come. And here's why it's going to be better. Because there's one of me here with you in the flesh and there's going to be the Holy Spirit in you everywhere you go. This is why it's going to be better. And here's what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes. Watch this. When he comes... He will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Everybody raise your right hand. Come on, class. Raise your your right hand. It is not my job to convict anyone about their sin. I don't have to do that. I don't have to convince anyone. I don't have to out-debate anyone. I don't have to convict anyone. I just am called to go and to be a blessing. And then leaving up the results to the Holy Spirit, it's his job that can change people's hearts. It's his job. He's got that job. And so he's the convictor about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Verse 9, about sin, he's going to do this because they don't believe in me. So it's not your job to make people believe in him. And so you don't have to be a Bible scholar or a Bible expert or have all the answers. I don't know is a perfectly acceptable answer, right? You and I are just called to go and to be blessers. And the results are up to the Holy Spirit. And if he chose that day not to have a great conversation or have somebody fall down on their knees and pray up to heaven and say, yes, I want Jesus, that's on the Holy Spirit. He's in charge of results. We're just called to go. So, about sin, because they don't believe in me. And about righteousness, he says, because I'm going to the Father and you will no longer see me. So listen, we don't convert anyone. We don't convince anyone. We don't convict anyone. We just go and seek to be love, blessing to people. And so if you were feeling the pressure to play the job of the Holy Spirit, you just need to resign. And say, Holy Spirit... You have the job full time. I resign myself from doing your job. And I'm going to trust you. So, what do we do? We're going to talk more about it in the weeks to come. But right now, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to learn to be a blesser. Because that's who our father is. And that's his game plan to reach the world. Is he's going to bless us to bless others. So, let's talk more specifically about how do you live out this blessing? Let's go back to the B-L-E-S-S. Let's talk about the just for a couple minutes, okay? First thing, let's talk about the first B, right? B stands for begin with prayer. Let's talk about, did I spell it wrong? Eagles. Oh, eagles. <laughs> let's talk about beginning with prayer, okay? Um, here's the most important one. This is why it's the first one, is, is because otherwise we're out there in our own strength, you can even try to do a good thing the wrong way. And, and, and so we want to begin with prayer so that we bring our heart under the Father's heart. And this is exactly what Jesus did. So we're in good company to begin with prayer. Before Jesus began his mission, do you know what he did? He began with prayer. Look at Luke chapter 6. It says this, During those days, he went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. So this is... 
Jesus, who was God, before he began his mission, he says, before I go, I'm going to spend time with dad. I'm going to make sure that I get his heart laid over my heart, that I get the game. There's something very specific he's going to be praying for. He wants to get the game plan from the father so that as he goes, he's going exactly the way that the father wants him to go. And so he spends the night in prayer. Verse 13, when daylight came, he summoned his disciples. Those were people that were following. He always had a crowd around him. Disciple, this is a follower. And so he had lots of people following because he taught different than the other rabbis. And he taught with authority. And so he takes the crowd and he narrows it down to 12. And it says he chose 12 of them whom he also named apostles. And so before Jesus and his 12 guys would go out on their mission, he started with prayer. So you and I, the first thing we do is we begin with prayer. And when you and I begin with prayer, at least two things happen. First thing that happens is through prayer, you and I connect to the source of the only one in the world that has the ability to change anybody else's heart. And so that's a good place to start. Let me start by talking to the one who is the only one who can do anything about this whole mission I'm about to go on. And the second thing that happens when you begin to pray is not only does that person, uh, or not only does God begin to properly prepare their heart, but you know what else God does when you begin to pray? He begins to change your heart. He begins to prepare your heart. That's what happens most, I think, when you pray is you begin to have your heart exposed to God. When you really pray, I'm not talking about a 30-second good night God prayer, good morning God prayer. I'm talking about really, somewhere in between, somewhere like what, you gotta go all night in prayer like Jesus? Somewhere in between our 30-second good night God, good morning God prayer, and all night, there's somewhere here in the middle for us of really just learning to sit with the Father and get his heart. And, and what begins to happen is he begins to change your heart. And you know what I found? It's really hard to hate someone you're praying for. Genuinely praying for. It, it, it just doesn't happen. It's really hard to hold grudges against somebody that you're praying and lifting up for God to work powerfully in their life. God begins to change the horizontal when you learn to go vertical. It's, just, it, it's what happens. So first thing we do is we begin with prayer. Then L is this, we've got to learn to listen. We've got to learn the lost art of listening, right? And listening is becoming this powerful tool today to bridge gaps that exist between parties. And it is becoming a lost art because everyone's got something to say today and everyone has a platform to say it on. And so it just becomes just this running dialogue, not even a dialogue, a monologue that takes place. And it's often between two sides that are just shooting jabs at the other side and posting memes to reinforce their positions on their own side. And, and we've lost the art of, of listening. And, and so what would it look like for you and I to grow in the skill of listening? And I believe it is a skill that you can grow in. I don't think people are born natural born listeners, right? I think it's a skill that you learn and develop the art of learning to really listen, to look people in the eye, because you've already begun to pray, and now God's giving you his heart for this person, and now you're listening. Listen, you're listening to love. You're not listening to debate. You're not listening to win. Listening to win and listening to love look very different. 
And so what would it look like to learn to listen to, to love in a culture, and especially in a city, where everyone's got something to say? I, I um, was talking with Trisha, our, our new children's director, who, who moved here from Idaho. And I'm like, listen, you're, you're eating Idaho anymore, right? <laughs> you, you, this, you're, you're in Philly, and we have a thought, and you're going to hear it, right? And that's just, that's just the way it is. I got something to say. I'm gonna, we wear our hearts on our sleeves. I am what I am. We're going to do what we're, right? That's just kind of the Philly way. And so what would it look like for us not to fall into the Philly way, but to actually learn to listen more than we speak. The old saying is God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason, that we should listen twice as much as we talk. How can we grow as listeners with people, right? Um, in, in, his, in the book, in the blessed book, he uh, shares the four H's of listening, right? And this might be especially helpful for some of you if you're kind of more of a natural introvert um, conversation is, is work for you. You're the kind of one that says to your spouse at a party, don't leave me, don't leave me, I don't want to talk by myself. Like if you're one of those people, which I, I get, like, this might be a good tool for you. It's the four H's of listening and how to engage people and have conversations where you're really learning to listen, right? The four H's of people, uh, of H is history. It's to start off and say, man, tell me, tell me your story. Where, tell me your background. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? What did you study? Just learning the history of somebody and letting people, you know what people's favorite thing to talk about? themselves. That's exactly right. And so learning to help people do their favorite thing to do. But now you're listening to love and not listening to debate, argue, or win. You're listening to love. H is heart. That's asking people to talk about their favorite, like what's your favorite memory? What's your favorite food? What's your favorite vacation? What's your favorite novel? What's your, right? Letting people talk about their favorites. So understanding their history, understanding their heart, their habits, what do, you, what do you do? What do you like to do with your free time? You know, what's your hobbies? What's your interests? If you could go back and do something over again, what would you do that you would, a skill that you would develop or a hobby you would take up, right? Letting people talk about their habits. And the last thing is, is hurt. And everybody has one, right? I'm not suggesting you start here. Um, this is after you've developed some relationship and you have some uh, relational equity there that you can say, hey, um, how are you doing with? How are you doing with your son? How's, how's your marriage going? How's, right, and and letting somebody know that you are here and you care. Everybody has hurt. Everybody walks with some kind of limp. And so, learning to listen because you love, people can tell the difference. So, begin with prayer. Learn to listen. E. The best one is learning to eat. Wait, something uh, I've been practicing. I've been working on it and developing. I've been gaming three, four, five, six times a day on this one and trying to get there right. But listen, there is something incredibly, I don't, I'm sure there's been social studies done on it. I don't, I don't know. Someone can maybe share with me the results. But there is just something about sitting down at a table and breaking bread, having food in place that, that just kind of knocks down some walls that enables relationships to move forward faster and further over a shared meal. 
There's just something about that. I think Jesus knew that because Jesus was constantly having meals with people. You read through the Gospels, and one of the names that the, the objectors of Jesus gave to Jesus was they called him a what? Begins with a G. A glutton. They called him a glutton. Like, this dude's always eating. That's, right? I mean, that's what a glutton is. This is always eating. And that's what, that was one of the names they gave to Jesus. He's a glutton. It's like, why, why was Jesus called a glutton? Because he was always eating with people. Why? Because I think Jesus knew this dynamic that's at play, that food breaks down walls. And so what would it look like for you to eat, listen, on purpose, with gospel intentionality? What would it look like to take one of your 21 meals of the week, if you eat three meals a day, seven days a week, for some it's less, for some of us it's more, and what would it look like to take those 21 meals and to say, I'm going to dedicate one a week to do this, to reach out and to invite someone and say, hey, and, and for some, this is going to be, this is where it's going to be stretching, where you're going to have to get out of the house and you're going to have to go knock on that neighbor's door and you're just going to have to humble yourself and say, listen, this is incredibly embarrassing. I've been meaning to do this for 13 years, but I never have. Listen, it's time. Can, how about, would you like to come over and have dinner with me and my spouse? We'd love to do that, right? And, and, and so rather than just doing the wave hello, goodbye, we're entering the season now where it's going to be getting cold. I hope all you fall people are happy now the cold is here, right? And so, so where it's everyone just drives in and drives into the garage and they're in. Nobody's out, right? So now you're going to have to be intentional about how are you going to stay connected to your neighborhood. Here's a really practical, easy way. Eat together. Begin with prayer. Learn to listen. Eat, eat. The first S then is serve. You know what happens when you begin to pray for people and you begin to listen to people and you begin to fellowship and eat with people is that you begin to see people. And when you begin to see people, you know what you see? You see their needs. I mean, people are hurting now. It feels like more than ever. There is so much need in people's lives, in the family's lives. And so need is an opportunity. It is a wide open door for you as a Christ follower to step in and be an, a meter of those needs. In our first church we, uh, I worked at, we had a slogan that was on our staff team. It was just going to be the slogan that we always lived by. It was nothing new. You've all heard it, but it was something that was drilled into us. And that was always see a need, meet a need. See a need, meet a need. And when you begin to look with gospel intentionality at the world and your neighbors and kids in school and your coworkers and all that, you begin to take your eyes off yourself and you begin to see other people. You know what you see? You see people with needs. And that is an open door for you to be a meter of those needs. That's what Jesus did. Jesus himself said, I have come not to be served, but to serve. And then the last night of his life, he gets down on his hands and knees, and he washes the feet of his 12 disciples, including Judas, who he knew later that night would betray him. And he still washed his feet. And then he got done, and he said, this what you have seen me do, you also now will do. We're servants because our God is a servant, and we look for people's needs to serve. And then the last S is simply this, is story is learning to share your story. And you all have one. Whether you realize it or not, 
you, you all have one. And it, it doesn't matter if it's a, this crazy turning from a life of crime and drugs and Jesus saved my life. And it doesn't have to be some dramatic story. God coming into your life and living with you is crazy enough. I mean, isn't it? I mean, stop and think about it. God lives in you. That's a crazy story. And what the world needs to hear is how, listen, I mean, we all live in the same world. We all have jobs. We all... Is my time up? Is that a clue? Is that... We all have... We all live in the same world. The difference is we live in this world with God. And does having God in your life make any difference? It sure does. I hope it does. Right? Because what they think is we're just kind of some, you know, we got some our religious belief and they got their religious beliefs or non-religious beliefs and we all just believe different things. It's like, no, no, no. My life is incredibly different because of the love and the joy and the peace and the mercy and the power and the help of God that I have in my life. And so you get to share and there people are looking for authentic stories that of God being very real. And so learning, we're going to talk more about this next week, learning to share your story. In, in the book, um, he shares a, 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 um, a student who was a, a working on his doctorate in ministry. Um, he was in seminary, and his, do, his dissertation was called Blessers versus Converters. That was the name of his thesis, Blessers versus Converters. And he shares, he shares this story. It was about a research student who um, did research on two teams of missionaries who were going to Thailand. And both teams went with similar goals, but they cared or carried out distinctively different strategies as to how to be missionaries in Thailand. There was group A that he called the converters group. And the converters group went with the, quote, sole intention of converting people and evangelizing. Our goal was to save souls. Group B was the blesser group. And the blesser group explained their mission like this. We are here to bless whoever God sends our way. The study went on and followed these two groups for two years. So it was a two-year-long study. And at the end of that time, the researcher discovered two key findings about the converters and the blessers. Here was the first. The, ple- the presence of the blessers in the community actually resulted in tremendous amounts of just social good that was done in that community. They contributed to the betterment of society better community life, and actually had a creation of social capital in that community. The presence of the converters in the community seemed to make no tangible difference that anyone could measure. The second discovery was the blessers saw 48 people come to trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. The converters saw one. And so the moral of this story is our Father is a blesser who has blessed us to be a blessing. And now that's our mission. Not to convert, not to convict, not to condemn, not to judge. He's got all of that under control. Our job is just to go. And so, church, I'm asking Next Community Church to make two commitments. 
I gave you these cards. I'm going to ask you to pull out these cards. And my hope and my prayer is that you would take these. Don't, don't leave them here. Take them. Take more than one. And put them where you're going to see them. Put them on your mirror. Put them in your dashboard in your car. Put them on your desk. Put them on the fridge. Students, put them in your locker if you guys still haven't used lockers, right? Do, do what you're going to do so that you can see these cards, so that you can be reminded to be a blessing. And, and then on the, on the back of the card is really two things that I'm asking you to do. Here's the first. The first one is this. Do at least one blessed practice every day. Right? Every day, do at least one of the B-L-E-S-S. You can do that. At the very least, you can just start beginning to pray about this. That is super safe. Nobody else even really knows. It's just you praying to God to give you a heart for this. But every day that you would, by faith, step into this and try to do one blessed practice a day. Here's the second thing. Um, I know a lot of you have this at your work. Um, what is expected gets inspected. And what's inspected gets done. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to invite you to invite accountability into your life for this. And so what I want you to do once a week is I want you to ask someone, and I want you to have someone ask you, who did you bless this week? And that you just know, hey, every, uh, every Wednesday night at dinner, we're going to talk about this. Or every Tuesday night at community group, we're going to talk about this. Or hey, every Friday morning breakfast, when we get together, we're going to ask each other, who did you bless this week? And begin to help each other to be a blessing. Here's what I think is going to happen if we really do this. The over 800 people that call Next Community Church home. Imagine, church, just imagine with me. If we all by faith step into this and 800 of us say, we are going to step into our calling and identity of being blessers. I'm free from the burden of having to be a convincer and a convictor and a converter. Instead, I'm going to be a blesser. What would it look like in our community a year from now, in your workplace, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our towns, if we all start stepping into this. And I thought, let's try to track that. Let's begin to try and track that. So here's what we did. We just came up with a very simple elementary way to track it. We made a wall. You walk past it on the way in, and above it it says, be a blessing. And there's markers out there, and there's a white part of the wall. We actually painted on the wall. And we just said, I want you to record it. Next week when you come in, I just want you to write your little blessing story up there. And it's something simple. It can be something simple. Uh, I brought my neighbor's trash cans up to the house. Something's very simple, but right, and here's what's going to happen. One, we're going to be encouraged as we see the hundreds and hundreds of ways that this church is seeking to bless the community. Two, I think it's going to spawn ideas, because every week when you come in, I want you to stop and just look at the board just for a second, and I want you just to scan it. And you're like, oh, that's, that's a, I could do that. That's a, I didn't think of that. That's a great idea. And it's going to kind of help ideas spring to your mind. And we're putting it on this wall, and we're going to do it for three months. And the reason we're going to do it for three months is because in three months, we're knocking down that wall. <laughs> and that's going to be our new elementary, uh, actually, coffee bar area where we're hanging out. And so we're busting through that wall. But what a cool thing it will be to see over the next three months just all of the different ways that we have tangibly been the love of God to people that so desperately need this. So I pray that we'll do that. Somebody asked me in first service, can, hey, can I do this with my community group friends? I'm like, yeah, the, I mean, this works for all people. But the goal isn't, though, for you to be a blessing to your community group. I mean, you can do that. I'm not saying be nice, not nice to your people. But that comes more easy to us. 
this is being super intentional with going out and looking for ways to engage lovingly people, be the hands and feet of Jesus. The world. We're going to build on this as we go next week, and I pray that we do it.